Mean Line Media presents the Olivia Fox Podcast. Welcome to the Olivia Fox Podcast. I am she, she is me, and we are up in here. Whoa, let me find out the year's almost over. Oh my goodness, I can't believe it. I'm coming up on my one-year anniversary, y'all, and I absolutely would not be here standing and doing my thing without the support of you. Thank you so much. I always tell you to tell a friend, to tell a friend your girl is right here. Find me on most social media at Olivia Fox Radio, and we're going to continue doing what we do. Now, you know, the focus and the purpose of this podcast is not only to entertain, but we also try to motivate you, try to educate, try to uplift, highlight, and, you know, most importantly, really put the focus on black excellence. People that are doing things within our communities all over this country in a variety of professions. And you know how I feel about my black women. We've got to support one another and lift each other up. So we're rounding out the year with yet another black female professional. She does it all, y'all. You know, she's got a a podcast. She has produced. She's a public speaker. She works in radio. I mean, this girl has done everything. And I don't even want to say girl. This professional, she does it all. Please welcome to the Olivia Fox podcast. It's Sheree Nicole. Hello to you. Hi, Olivia. Thanks for having me. How are you? First of all, hello to you. Hello to all your listeners. And also congratulations on coming up on that one year mark. That is no small feat. Yes. Thank you so much. Time flies. And I got to say, I love in that shirt. Thank you. Thank you. Right. (laughs) Let me tell y'all something. Now, I just I threw it's kind of a throwback. Thank God that that BG is free. This is Brittany Griner. And it was a story that was just really weighed a lot, a lot on me, very heavy on my heart throughout the year. And so um, I got this t- this sweatshirt made earlier on in the process when she was still detained in Russia. And then uh, when she was freed, I just sometimes I still pull it out. Um, and uh, at the end, we're at the end of the year now. So it's time to celebrate some good things. And her being free is certainly one of them. So Absolutely. shout out to BG. Yes. Represent. You got to put that out there. I'm telling you, because it was really something there for a minute. We was like, OK, yeah. wait a minute now. Is she going to get free? Is she going to be there? But thank God she's home. So that's a blessing. Well, let's get into it. Please tell everybody. I mean, I can run down everything you've done, but I'd rather allow you to tell everybody exactly who you are and what you do. Well, um, I'm a, a storyteller, teller, avid conversationalist um, to start out. And then um, on a more specific side, I'm the co-host of the Willie Moore Jr. Show. You can catch that five days a week um, across the country, nationally syndicated show. Um, I also am the branded video content producer at Essence. I've been there since uh, 2021, um, August of 2021. Um, I have executive produced a docuseries called One Stage to the Next. Also executive produced another docuseries um, called Making of a Woman. One Stage to the Next was on TV One. Making of a Woman was on Fox Soul. Produced uh, News One Now with Roland Martin. That was on TV One. I was a part of the team that built that show from the ground up. One of my proudest and, and most fond moments in this industry as a producer. But yeah, I produce, I edit, uh, media personality, radio host. I have a podcast that I'm absolutely so incredibly proud of. I got to shout out the Mean Old Lion Media Network as well, um, just for giving me the opportunity to have my podcast have a home. It's called Just a Thought with Sheree Nicole. And I'm coming up on episode 100, uh, which yes. is going to drop next Thursday. So I'm really excited about that. Um, but just a jack of all trades. I like to call myself. I, I struggle talking about myself um, because I just, you know, for me, God has just graced me with a lot of great opportunities and um, I feel a sense of purpose behind everything that I do. And so 
I want to make sure I'm not, you know, it feels like gloating a little bit when I talk about myself, but I, I really do do love what I do. And I'm grateful for the people that I've been able to impact over the course of my career. Absolutely. And you're, you may not even know it, but you're impacting and influencing the next generation of uh, females working in the industry. Now, when you first started out, because I, I see here you went to school in Chicago, yeah. correct? Are, you, um, are to, you from? I'm from I'm from the Chicago area. So I, the, the people that are from Chicago, I want to be very specific. If you're not from Chicago, I'm going to tell you I am from Chicago because nobody has time to dissect and dive into the specifics. Right. But just so I can make sure I'm respectful, I am from Calumet City, Illinois. It's about 15 minutes south of the south side of Chicago. Um, I went to went to a few schools actually. I played basketball, um, grade school, high school, all the way through college. And my first two years, I actually played at the University of Wisconsin, transferred and left there, finished playing at Northern Illinois University. And then I went to grad school at the Medill School of Journalism at Northwestern University, which brought me back to Chicago. And see, I went to Southern Illinois University in Carbondale. So I know Come all on, about Carbondale. that Chicago thing. Okay. Once a Saluki. So I know all about that. Folks be talking about they from Chicago and they live two hours from Chicago. I'm like, you're really not from Chicago. So I get it. I get it. I get it. So when you, when you were thinking about getting into media, because you went into journalism for your master's, what did, did you have an idea of what you wanted to do and then something happened and catapult you into a different direction? What, what was your journey? Interestingly enough, the catapult came from me my sophomore year in college, in undergrad. And um, I was playing at the University of Wisconsin, playing basketball. And honestly, the program just, it wasn't for me. It wasn't working out. And I knew that, you know, I had to transfer. And at that time, I also was going through what I now can recognize as a, as a depression. At Back then, I didn't have the language, the tools. I didn't really know what was going on. Just super discouraged. Behavior was kind of changing. I became really quiet and introverted, which is very outside of my personality. Um, and so with that came a heartbreak of, hey, basketball has been my life since I was eight years old, and I don't know if it's going to continue to be that. So what now? What, who am I without this basketball? And uh, I had a conversation with my academic advisor, and at the time she said, hey, Sheree, you know, I'm looking at your, you know, the blueprint of what's been happening with you academically. I had good grades, but I wanted to be in the, in the business school. Don't ask me why, Okay. Um, cause I couldn't have told you then it just sounded good to me and right. like, Oh, I want to be a business owner. You know, right, nobody right. was telling me entrepreneurship was hard. It just sounded like the right thing to do. And so I was, I was really struggling in certain classes cause I'm not a math girl. I don't like math. And so I was struggling in accounting economics was throwing me for a loop. And so I was just, just barely making it, you know, you needed a three, five to get into the business school. And I was just like, it was such a strain. And, um, my academic advisor said, you know, Sheree, you're, you're, why are you doing the business school? It's not to say that you're not capable, but you're, you're going through all of this stress and strain. And I'm looking at, you know, your ACT scores. I'm looking at how strong of a writer you are. I'm looking at your reading scores. She's like, have you ever considered journalism? Would you ever consider changing your major? And at that time, I was like, anything that'll make me feel better than I feel now. I'm depressed about basketball. The business school is taking me, trying to get there is taking me out of here. So I said, you know what? I'm going to shift. I'm willing to do that. I want to be happy and love what I, whatever I choose. And so um, you know, the, the back end of my sophomore year changed my major to journalism. At that time, I really wasn't clear on what I wanted to do with it. I just wanted to be somewhere where I felt like I was in a strong, a strong place. Like I was in a, not a, not a weakness trying to be strong, but I was strong in what I was doing. And so when I transferred from Wisconsin at the end of my sophomore year, I went to Northern Illinois University and connected with my new academic advisor there. And he said, at NIU, and I said, um, he said, uh, Sheree, what do you want to do with journalism? 
I said, yeah, I don't really know. You know, I, I love to write. Uh, I also love to speak. You know, I can I can do different things. And he said, well, let me let me ask you this. He said, if somebody gave you a choice, would you rather be saying what you're what you're doing or writing it down? Would you rather be in front of a camera or on the print side doing something else? And I immediately said, oh, I want to be I want to be on camera. I want to know how that works. I'm more interested in that. And then from there, I started doing things in front of the camera, different classes, taking reported classes. I fell in love with the craft. And so, you know, still playing basketball in Northern Illinois University, but basketball became secondary at that point to what I wanted to do beyond the game. And so um, that's when I really figured it out. When I was graduating, you know, I had a conversation with um, one of my mentors and, and teachers, and he brought Northwestern to my attention. I wasn't considering grad school. I, I, I didn't feel ready to just go out to the work field yet. I was even thinking about going to law school and I was kind of all over the place. And he said, well, what about, you know, what about Northwestern? Now, mind you, I didn't understand the prestige of the journalism program there. I probably wouldn't have even applied had I known. Um, but he was like, just, I'm going to send you some paperwork and you just, you know, follow the steps and, you know, I'll guide you. And I just, something in me, I believe was God just made me trust him. You know, he has a, um, a PhD from there and another, in another concentration, but we followed the steps and the academic advisor I mentioned to you also had a PhD from Northwestern. So they kind of just got together and helped hold my hand through the process. And, you know, Northwestern, the Medill School really got me where I needed to be as a journalist in front of and behind the camera. And I, I left there feeling very, very ready and very understanding of this is going to be, this is my purpose moving forward. I don't need basketball anymore. I can watch it on TV. I can coach when I'm able, but this is what I want to do with the, with my career. And so ever since then, I've literally been doing that. I'm very blessed to, to say I've been working in my career field, what I set out to do since August of 2011. Um, and it's been a, an amazing ride. It's full of highs and lows. You know, the entertainment industry is its own beast. But I've had some great experiences. I've grown so much. And it's been great to just get to know and engage with so many different types of people. I think it's, it's made me a more well-rounded person. It definitely gives you an opportunity to move in a lot of different circles. Whereas, like if you're in medicine or in law, you know, you kind of stay in that particular circle. But if you're in broadcasting media, there's no telling who you might meet. Because like you said, you might be interviewing a professional athlete. You might be uh, going to somewhere where, you know, senators and it just you can you you just don't know anything could happen. So um, I get that now. You know, because I, I find it really interesting. I didn't even know you played basketball. Yeah. As an athlete, you know, you're giving all that time and energy and effort from a young age all the way up until to college. Were you sad when you kind of put it on the because from what I understand to be at a certain level in sports, you have to really eat, drink and poop it. OK, you've got to <laughs> live it and love it to stay in it because it's very competitive, you know. And so when you kind of said, okay, this is where I'm going and had basketball, did you feel, did you have any second thoughts or did you kind of regret it? Do you look back on it and say, hmm, I wonder, or do you just like, that's what I did and now I'm, I'm here? Before I transferred, basketball had already broken my heart in a way that after that, when I got to Northern Illinois University, it was more about mending that brokenness and just finishing strong. And then by the time I got to my senior year, my knees were just, they were not good, okay? I have I had the knees of like a 60-year-old <laughs> woman. And so for me, I didn't even feel like physically I could continue in the sport anyway. And I had fallen so in love uh, with the world of journalism and all that I felt that it had to offer me. So I didn't, 
a sense of sadness in it being over, yes, but definitely not a sense of regret. And I was also reassuring myself constantly that basketball was still going to be a part of my life. It was just going to look different. I just wasn't going to play. Um, I'd seen a lot of teammates of mine, people I knew, um, even basketball players, guy basketball players that I met along the way that had gone overseas to play for a time. And, you know, they dealt with some depression and discouragement when they were ready to stop playing, coming back to the States and being told you don't have work experience and them having to start all over again. And so I saw these things happening before I graduated. And I said, I don't want that to be my story. Like, I'm not interested in that. Um, and I didn't want to be away from my family either. So overseas for me wasn't something that was like at the top of my list. Um, growing up, I wanted to be in the WNBA. But again, when you're in a situation where you don't even know if you want to play anymore, like that becomes something that's not even that dream dies. And I don't mean it in a bad way. Sometimes the dismissal of a dream gets you to the detour to your destiny. That's just what I believe. So I don't, yeah, no sense of regret. And it's funny, like I, I have so many opportunities to still stay connected to the game in other ways. And I really do believe I made the right decision. And I would say to anybody, you know, if you have a, if you're parenting an elite athlete, you know, open their eyes to other things early. It's not to discourage them from from their dream. If they want to play professionally and, and play in college and all these types of things, that's great. But they also need to understand the importance of being well-rounded and having, you know, invested time in your other interests. I didn't necessarily get that. You know, my dad was very extreme. Balls to the wall. You play basketball, then we're gonna go all the way, we're gonna go all the way, we're gonna do it. <laughs> and so I had other interests that I didn't even really tap into until I got to college. And so you know, I, that's, that would be my only regret. And some of that, honestly, the onus, it wasn't on me because I was a child, not to blame my parents, but it's just to say, had I explored some of the other things I love, I love music. I still love music. I love music as much as I love sports, which is interesting. Um, but being able to explore that more, you know, people taking a notice to how gifted I was as a writer, what that could have meant for me, you know, earlier than college. That's the only kind of regret I had. Right. But other than that, no, the, the path that I took, me leaving the game when I did and moving into into the world of journalism, broadcast journalism, however you want to say that, nah, no regrets there. I'm so glad that you hit upon that point because I know there are people out here who have kids that are athletes and they push, push, push. And not to say that all parents are that way, but they don't give kids uh, uh, the freedom to see what else they gravitate towards because sometimes the parents want it more than the kids. And of course, then you have, you know, those parents who are living vicariously through their children, um, which can sometimes lead up into a situation where the kids are just lost at once they figure out, like you say, this is not going to be for me long-term, but God bless you that you were able to be able to make that transition. Cause a lot of people don't. And to yeah. take it even further to even be in the industry and continue to be working in the industry is a, is a mighty fight because I don't know how many folks that I went to school with that are doing other things and never even thought about doing broadcasting or journalism because for whatever reason, they didn't want to move around. They didn't want to get into the politics, the grind. And, you know, it's just a really hard, tough business, really, honestly. So and, and I know I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but it's true. So, you know, congratulations to you. Now, I was looking over some of the shows that you uh, were responsible for. And yeah. these are some of the shows that I would actually watch. My question <laughs> is, you know, find our missing. That, that a great program because important because, you know, when we go missing, it's not as important. So that, you know, that was 
very, very important show. So my thing is when you're in your position where you are, if someone, what is the process of producing? Because if you have an idea, how do you go about taking an idea and seeing it through all the way to a show? What's that process like? (laughs) That's a that's a that's a layered layered question. Um, I'll try to put it in layman's terms, and I will say too, for me, one of the things that's helped me in being a great producer and in, in la- helping to launch shows, whether it be you know with my producing partners independently or on the corporate side, I'm, I'm a lot. I'm kind of like a renaissance woman, you know, if you if you would say, and I think that comes from just my training, especially you know at Northwestern, like I, I know how to do every job, so. I can pull out a camera, I can I can edit, I can write, I can voice, I can be in front of the camera behind it, um, I can storytell. And so, you know, in, in layman's terms, we'll just talk in an independent way because a lot of people are now making the choice to do their own independent mm-hmm. content. I would say first, eliminate all your excuses. That's number one. Um, a lot of people don't start because they say, oh, I don't have the money and you, you have the idea. Just start somewhere. And I always tell people, this will get you a long way. Cell phone will get you a very, very long way. These cell phones are, are high tech. You can shoot in cinematic. Um, start gathering. Even if you're not clear totally on what your uh, what you want this to be, sometimes you just have to shoot until until you figure that out. So I would say starting from somewhere, being very clear about the story that you want to tell. Again, how you tell it, that that will be determined by the footage that you're able to gather, what people you're able to talk to if you're doing interviews for your piece but be very clear on what story you are trying to tell. Once you get into, and I'm speaking docu-reality, everybody, I'll get in the talk show in a minute. (laughs) Um, So when you go from there, now we're talking about what does the editing process look like? I I do cut notes. It's the standard in in the industry that I'm in. So you're evaluating all your footage and then you're putting, you're literally creating the story on paper. You're putting it together on paper to then give to an editor to put it together in your edit, in their editing software and then you, you know, look over the work that they're doing or what have you. But the biggest thing that I would tell anybody is make sure you start somewhere, eliminate those excuses, and also be clear on story. I think sometimes we're so, we just want to do something, but it's like, what do you want to do? And you also have to be very clear on your demo because that's also going to determine how you're going to tell your story. Who are you talking to? Am I speaking to women that are millennials my age? Am I speaking to, you know, moms? Am I speaking to you know, fathers who are coaching their children in whatever sport. So being very clear on on who your audience is and also just being very adamant about um, the story itself. Like part of producing is protecting the content. It's fighting for your content. I didn't say be combative, but if you believe in the work that you're doing and you put together a piece of work, you should protect it. And that also extends to the talk show format. Producing a talk show, you know, it's segmented. So we may have six segments on a show. I may be booking two segments. So I'm reaching out to the guests. I'm booking the guests. And then I'm figuring out, okay, they're selling an album, but what else are they doing? We're not going to talk about their album for seven minutes. And so I'm looking and researching into their story. You have to do your research as a producer. If you're not researching, you're not producing. Sorry to tell you. So you do your research. You start writing out potential questions that your host can ask the guests that you've booked. You prep your guests. Preparation is very, very key. You make sure that you protect your talent by making sure they are prepared going through notes with them, giving them adequate notes. And then once you get out there on the set, they have their marching orders. Some, sometimes people use cue cards. I use those at Sister Circle Live just to kind of help them stay on pace. It could be a bullet point. It could be an exact question you need to, need to ask them. But producers are in control of the narrative, whether that's on a talk show, 
reality show, documentary format, it doesn't matter. You're driving the car. So be a responsible driver and make sure that the guardrails and safety nets are in place for everybody involved. Because when you're reckless in that area, you don't have the strongest content. So I think sometimes we don't understand that producers are protectors, but that really is, you know, the gist of the job and not just protecting the talent and the content, but protecting the integrity of the work that you're doing and the message you're trying to get across. What has been a situation or challenge that you have dealt with? <laughs> you know how to get into it. That you have dealt with and that where you were like, I'm about to choke somebody. I mean, <laughs> you been, let's keep it real. Have you been in that situation where you're like, you know what? Y'all gonna make me come out myself. And, and how did you, you know, pull yourself back, back in where you like, don't let me come out of myself here. Let me stay professional. Without you know, going in too much in debt, what 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 had happened? You know what's funny? Like when I was in, um, I started News One Now in my late twenties. I think I was twenty six, twenty seven, and you know, in your twenties, as you know, you're feisty, you're passionate. I still am, but you're over passionate. You're willing to go above and beyond in every aspect to get it done, and everything means so much to you, right? Um, and so, News One Now was a live news show. It was live five days a week. You're waking up at three something in the morning to get to the, to the newsroom and news station by 4.30 in the morning. Um, that alone is, is a challenge in itself. I'm seeing the same people at the crack of dawn <laughs> every day. People I love and still, I'm, I'm friends with all of them to this day. But um, live news is, is, is the most challenging genre of media that you could ever do. And I remember an instructor telling me, I think I was in grad school, and they told me, they said that will be the, the hardest job you'll ever have in this industry if you do anything live, especially if it's news. But if you want to be great, you should try your hand at live news. Even if it's just for one year, you should do it. There were so many times when things are going haywire. Roland may decide, I don't care about these notes you just gave me. I'm going to do what I want to do. And having to turn on a dime, that is extremely frustrating. But I will say the hardest thing for me, it's an overarching thing, Several of the shows I've had to build from be on teams that built it from the ground up have been situations where we have very limited resources. So it's a constant fight. It's a constant pull. It's a constant, I have to be five people in one body because we don't have everything that we need, but we need to get certain things in order to be able to accomplish what we're trying to accomplish. So the hardest part when you want to put, when I've wanted to pull my hair out, when I've wanted to quit, is that fight that you have to fight when you don't have enough, but you still need to need to be perceived as if you do. And that is very, very difficult. And it requires a level of sacrifice from everybody on the team that I literally don't have words for. And pretty much every show I've worked for has been that way. And I think one of the things that we don't talk about enough, and it's not a, it's not a bad thing because we're in it, we're in a, in a society where racial disparities exist, but black media, we are underfunded, under-resourced quite often. But we're, and, and because of that, we're overworked, overextended, and sometimes even in being overworked, underutilized, meaning we don't even have time to be able to get the, the opportunity to, to tap into the talents that we can bring to the table because we're so busy having to pull over here just to try to make something work. And so for me, that's, prob that's easily been the most frustrating pull my hair out thing is not having everything I need to build something, but still having to do it anyway. On the other side of that, I'm very proud that I've been able to say I've done that and been a part of teams that have done that on multiple shows. It's grown me. But yeah, it, it gets you some gray hairs. It, it gets you a little flustered and frustrated at times. 
Um, and so, but it also builds your character. And I always say, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about the the producer and the personality I will be when I have everything I'm, I need and want. That's an exciting thing to think about. Because the bottom line is, if you can put out uh, an, an amazing product with just the few things that you've had to work with, like you said, imagine when you get everything you need and what you can do. I mean, you know, you did this on, on a teaspoon. Now you got a full cup. Now, now watch me make a cake up in this piece. Okay. I got everything <laughs> I need, but the fact that you were able to maneuver with not even having those pieces says a lot about your talent and your character as well, which is commendable and congratulations for that. So now, um, once you're in the producing side, and, and I know you spoke on this about being in school, so you know how to do a little bit of everything. What was the shift from moving from producer to podcast host to co-host on what's the name? What's the name of your Willie Willie Moore Jr. Mm -hmm. show? Yeah. So what? How do you change your hat for that? It's interesting. I never changed it, and this is why I never went to school to be a producer. That wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, that to me when I was in school, was just an, an addition. It was a caveat to being on camera. It was an, a skill set that made me more versatile. Um, probably about my second quarter in in grad school, you know, they were they would tell you, hey, you know, if you want to be on camera and you may have to go do news for a while, you may have to go move away to a smaller market and you may not make that much. And all of these things to me did not sound attractive. <laughs> so... I started to you know, realize, you know, hey, I do have a knack for producing. It's not my first love, um, but I do have a knack for it. So, you know, let me go in a direction that will keep me closer to home, you know, will put me in a position where I can make more money earlier on in my career. And then I'll go through that door. I'll, as long as I'm in the house, I can get out the back door and go do whatever. Right. Um, but what happened was I was became a really great producer. And so, you know, people noticed very early on that I was more than that. But again, when people want to utilize you in the capacity that they desire and the capacity that you, that you signed up for, you can't expect them to just give you opportunities outside of that. And for me, for many years, I had that expectation like, well, you know, I can do this too. I can, I'm talented as well and blaming people and making other people my scapegoat. But the reality is, Cherie, when you sign on that dotted line and say, I will produce for this amount of money, this particular show, that's what their expectation of you is. They're not, they're not obligated to give you anything else. And so, you know, for me, the biggest thing that put me in a position to, you know, just move in the direction that I always wanted to move into was when Sister Circle Live was canceled March of 2020. Um, and as you know, with the cancellation came the cancellation of everything. There's nowhere to go. There's no other job to just run to. And so, you know, that cancellation came as a complete shock to all of us. And there was really nowhere to pivot, nowhere to pivot. But a pivot was there for me. And so I decided at that point in time, a couple of days after Sister Circle ended, and I produced on that show for a little over three years, I said, okay, I don't have any more excuses. I don't have anywhere to run to. I can't just go get another produ producing job to pay the bills. There's nowhere to go. And I said, well, this is my time, you know, to to get in the in the business of what I really want to do. And so I started just a thought with Sheree Nicole on IG Live. I was just doing IG Lives. And the beautiful thing about my journey is all the people, I know I mentioned it earlier, all these people I got to know, managers, publicists, celebrities, athletes, you name it. These are people that, because when you're producing, you're able to have a different connection with these people right. behind the scenes because you have to prep them. You're getting to know them. 
And so keeping these relationships intact was something that I've always valued, not knowing how it would benefit me later down the line. And so I started calling them, calling industry friends that I had made over the years, calling managers and publicists. I'm doing this. Can you jump on IG Live with me? And never got resistance from anybody. Somebody may have mm. said, hey, can we do it the next week? Because I got a schedule issue. But that was the beginning and the birth of Just a Thought with Sheree Nicole. And from there, it blossomed into an actual podcast. And now I'm functioning in the capacity that I've always wanted to and always known I could. Now it's on my own terms. And I'm not, right. I'm, I'm not begging somebody for the opportunity. I'm creating it for myself. And honestly, this was the first thing I ever did to create an opportunity for myself in this way. And then when it comes to Willie Moore Jr. show, I was um, still at Sister Circle and I had met um, the then executive producer who's a good friend of mine now. His name is Ahmed Gordon. Shout out to Ahmed. And I met Willie as well. Willie was a guest on the show. Med was the executive producer of the Willie Moore Jr. show. And Med happened to be with Willie that day. Med is from Chicago. And so we bonded immediately and had conversation. Right. And I shared with him like, hey, you know, I'm producing here, but I really also have desires to, to do some things on camera. And I love radio, the radio genre as well. And he kept that in mind. Just put a pin in there. And so we continue to talk and say, hey, you know, how about you come back down to the studio? Now, mind you guys, I'm still doing Sister Circle Live. This is in 2019, no, maybe 2018, 2018 or so. And um, I said, sure, I'll come down to the studio. Went down to the studio, just visited, saw how they saw the lay of the land, just visiting. And it just so happened the co-host was out that day. And Willie was like, was like do you want to do the headlines? You know, you do the top three. She's, you know, Crystal Lee is not here today. Just let's see what you got. He gave me the opportunity to do it, killed it, had a great time. He was like, you, you got something special. Just keep working hard. Didn't think anything of it, was grateful for the opportunity, went about my way. Kept in touch. I kept in touch with Ahmed in particular over the Lexi next year and a half. So here comes the pandemic. We're in 2020 now. And now I also have a freer schedule because I'm not working this. I'm working on some independent projects, but I'm not, I'm not reporting to a nine to five every day. And so um, the co-host at the time, Crystal Lee, she had days where she was out. And so Med said, hey, I know you don't have Sister Circle. Would you like to come and fill in as a co-host? Crystal Lee is out today. I said, sure, no problem. Did it, did my job, done. Came back, he asked me maybe a couple months later, same thing. This time, hey, she's out for a week. Can you do a week? Did it, done, did my job, done. I never asked for anything. And this is again too, I know we have a conversation around money and all that. Sometimes you have to you have to really be sensitive to what God is telling you. I was told to not ask for anything. I was told yep. do not ask for money. Do this, do it faithfully, just do it. So the back end of 2020, I was told that Crystal Lee was not going to be returning and that they wanted me to come in and, and be the permanent co-host. And so from something that happened, just connecting with them a couple years before at a and another job I was doing outside of the field that I really wanted to to pursue and actively be in. Two years later, two and a half or so, January the 4th, 2021, I became the co-host of the Willie Moore Jr. Show. And I've been doing it ever since. So I would just say, be, be faithful over a few things. You, you, you'll be surprised, you know, at, at where God takes you. And I always say, two people are currency. And I don't mean that in a way to use people, but there's value in, in, in having connection with people. You never know what one handshake or one chance meeting or one conversation or one volunteer opportunity will do for you. So just keep planting the seeds. And I know sometimes it's discouraging and, you know, it's tough, even in this podcast world, it's constant seed planting. Everybody's not monetizing right away. There's so many other things happening, but the faithfulness in that, in the call that you have, there's so many things that come on the other side of it in ways that you would never even imagine. So 
that's how that's how the Willie Moore Jr. show happened. That's how my podcast happened. And interestingly enough, they were both on the back end of a deficit of something that 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 really was defeating in many instances. When you talk about a job that I had, a nine to five, a talk show that I enjoyed doing being taken away. So that's my spiel on that. But you know what? I am so glad that you explained that and broke it down because and I say this all the time on this on this program, we see the shine. And we see the name, but people just don't understand what (laughs) folks have to go through to go from A to B. And sometimes, you know, when you go from A to B, you may take two or three steps back Mm -hmm. and start questioning your own talent and your own purpose and then stick with it. Like you said, meet somebody, anything can, anything can happen where anybody can hear you or see you and change your whole Life. I truly believe that anything can happen at any time. And you might be so close right when you're about to say, man, I'm up there. Somebody go give me a government job. You know what I mean? And if you had just hung in there, (laughs) you never know. So you just have to really, no matter what you're doing, you have to stick with it and stay in the game and stay focused and keep that purpose. And like you say, Listen to God and where he's telling you to go to move. Because a lot of times we'd be like, well, why am I? Well, what am I and who am I? And sometimes you just got to say, shut up (laughs) and stay the course. You know what I'm saying? So where do you see yourself in five years? Because so much has happened in the last two or three years for you. Where do you see yourself in like 29? Can you believe it? 2029. That's crazy. People would say 2029, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And you'd be like, ah, the Jetsons. (laughs) You're going to be in the Jetsons. Um, exactly. <laughs> I would, I would say, um, I, I definitely would, would like to remain in the radio space in some capacity, but ultimately have my own show. And even if it's, um, a, a duality situation, meaning just a thought, you know, ultimately I want that to become its own talk show and, and, and build it out bigger than the podcast it is, but then have a radio component to that in conjunction with that show. Um, Roland Martin did it for a while with News One Now, and I thought it was a really great concept. So I'd love to kind of take that model and, and recalibrate it a little bit. Um, so, so that's, 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 you know, on a professional side where I see myself, you know, five years personally, I hope I'm married with a couple of kids. That'd be nice. Um, <laughs> It'll come. But, yeah, It'll come. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely, you know, doing, you know, speaking on, on big stages and, and um, encouraging and inspiring and, and, and getting some more original content sold and, and out to the world and something I really love. As a producer, for me, that's really where my heart lies now. It's not necessarily, you know, in the day-to-day. And the laborious side of the industry, I'm actually pretty fatigued in that area. For me, it's, you know, building stories that, and, and with my produ- production partners and shows that I can then, you know, sell to networks and watch them grow in that capacity and oversee. So that's really the the goal on both sides for me. Maybe write a couple books, too. Okay. Well, you got so much talent and there's so many different directions that you can go in. Girl, I'm just waiting to see. For those of you who don't know, you know, make sure you put this name in your Rolodex and your mental because I'm telling you, she's doing things. Cherie, Nicole, girl, how can people find your podcast? Because I definitely want folk to support. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, you guys can check out Just a Thought with Cherie Nicole. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and actually I've been building up my YouTube page as well. So you can check me out on YouTube. Uh, just go to at Sheree Nicole. Most of my interviews are up there as well. And uh, you can also follow me on Instagram and X, formerly known as Twitter, 
at Sheree underscore Nicole, S-H-A-R-I underscore N-Y-C-O-L-E, and then Facebook at Sheree Nicole Media. Now, do you still do the IG lives every once in a while? Do you do that still? <sighs> you know, that's a great question, Olivia, because I do not. I cannot remember the last time I did IG live. I might do a live like once or twice a year, like if a big news story breaks, and I just want to kind of create some conversation. But that's confirmation from the Lord that I need to to do better with that. So I think I'm going to go live on IG way more in 2024. And you, so and thank, look, you're thank not you for alone. that. <laughs> you're not alone because we have this incredible uh, way to reach people all over the world. And I think because we have it, it's kind of like, eh, you know what I mean? But we really have to stay on top. So you need to stay on top of it. I'm going to stay on top of it. And we just going to continue to take over the world because that's what black system we do. Okay. We out yes. here in it and moving, moving things. And I just want to say it's been a true pleasure. I haven't had an opportunity to meet you, but we move in similar circles, but it's always good to meet good people face-to-face and have a conversation. So I appreciate you for accommodating me. I wish you continued success in your career. And, uh, you know, I'm seeing, for you, I'm seeing, what's the woman, I know I'm just so wrong, dead wrong for not knowing her name, but she does all the television shows on ABC and then she left ABC, now she's on Netflix. What's her name? Shonda Rhimes. Shonda Shonda Rhimes. I'm getting that Shonda Rhimes feel from you. I'm like, yeah, girl. I'll take it. Give me a mix yes. of Shonda, Oprah, and Ava, and we're good. <laughs> right there. Right there. Well, I'm going to keep my eye out. I appreciate you so much. Continuous success. And that's going to do it for this podcast. Y'all, we're coming up on the year. I'm so excited. And I appreciate you. Just let everybody know where I am. Follow me on social media and tell a friend to tell a friend to check me out. That's going to do it. And we'll talk again soon. The Olivia Fox Podcast is produced and hosted by Olivia Fox. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Get the Olivia Fox Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, comment, and rate. Follow Olivia Fox on IG at Olivia Fox Radio. Follow the Mean Old Line Media Podcast Network at Mean Old Line Media. Get the Mean Old Line Media app in the App Store or on Google Play. The Olivia Fox Podcast is a Mean Old Line Media production.